Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, this is episode 16, I believe, of Out of the Boat. And today we have Brother Lopez, and we have Sarai Macias, and Jonathan Palacios. And today's topic is going to be gossip. It's, it's kind of a, a broad uh, topic, and I don't know if Sister Britt told you. I, my specific question, or what I want to focus on a lot, is, is how it alters the view of another person. So say somebody's like, gossip to me about someone that I barely know, it alters my view of that person. I automatically look at them and I'm like, okay, well, you've done this and this. And you don't even know if it's true. Um, and it creates a, a negative, I don't know if the word's connotation, but a negative view of that person. Um, I don't know if you've prepared anything before, if you want to start off with like some some groundwork. Well, sure. I uh, Yes. And I did get a little bit of a heads up, uh, you know, about our conversation today. And uh, I first, I just want to start out by saying uh, we have to realize that that words are powerful. And uh, I wrote, I, I did prepare some notes, and one of the things I put towards the end of my notes, there's that that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is a total lie. Uh, I've lived life a little bit, and what I have found is that words hurt a lot worse than sticks and stones. Uh, I'll recover from the bruise uh, of a stick or a stone hitting me, but words can cut so deep, and sometimes it could take years to find healing, and unfortunately, some people never find healing. And what really makes it worse, we expect, I expect to get hurt by people who don't know Jesus. I expect people who don't uh, have the faith that I have, they don't understand maybe the life I'm living. And so it shouldn't surprise me if, if they throw a barb my way or they some, say something, but it really hurts when it's a brother or a sister, someone that's supposed to be in God's family. They can cut me down in ways that the damage is long lasting. And so the first words, you know, that I want to say as I'm starting, you know, this conversation with all of you is, is we need to be aware of, of the power of words and words themselves, um, you know, they're, 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 they're neutral. It's how we use those words. And, and I'm going back to Proverbs 18.21. says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So in other words, with my tongue, I can either produce something that, that's, that brings life, or I can produce something that brings death. So I have to be very careful. I have to realize that words are powerful, and I have the ability to bless or I have the ability to bring a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. So in my, my initial remarks is, is I think we need to understand the value and the power of words. Amen. Along that, what you're saying, you know, power of life and death in your, in your tongue, um, a question that I had is how, how do you tame the tongue? How do you learn how to tame what comes out of your mouth? So this is actually a, a matter of character development for me. It's a matter of someone's spirituality. The... You know, two things, right? Two things. Number one, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. There, there was uh, a few years ago, the, the wristbands were very popular, WWJD. I was youth pastor at the time, and uh, I had some awesome young people, and one of them reworked that to, to WWJD was Who Wants Jelly Donuts? <laughs> and uh, I said, no, that's, uh, that's not what that's about. But uh, what would Jesus do, right? So character development is is really becoming more like Jesus. 
being a person of character, a person of integrity. So um, with my words, I want to be like Jesus with my words. And so I have found that if I want to, I found that when I hang out with someone, when I spend time with them, their tendencies rub off on me. I, I become like them. So number one character development is, is I need to spend time in prayer. I need to be shaped and molded by, by the presence of Jesus in my life. And then number two, I need to put his word into, into my heart. Because I, I want you to consider, th- these, are, these are some things that come directly from the word of God. And I had a teacher when I was in seventh grade. Uh, I told him I was getting braces. And, and I, the reason I'm getting braces is my mouth is too small for my teeth and my teeth are all jumbled. And he looked at me and said, that's the first time your mouth is too small for anything. Because I was a talker when I was younger. I, and he put me in my place. But that, so what you're asking, uh, Brother Jonathan, is, is actually a natural struggle I've had to overcome. Because I, I was a talker and I was someone that could say too much. And I could be very sharp or, you know, cutting with my words. But the Bible says this in Proverbs 10, 19. I'm just going to give a few verses. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 17, 27. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Okay. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. So when we talk about character development, I have to take these lessons from the Bible and I ask God to help me live them out. So I allow the spirit of God to mold and shape me, but then I also allow the word. And when I read the word, the Bible tells me to be careful with my words. When I read the Bible, the Bible says, let your words be few, be careful. Talking too much just leads to trouble. And I've lived life long enough now, I don't need any more trouble. So if, if I can restrain myself, keep my mouth shut, keep my words few, and that causes me to to live a life free from trouble then that's worth it so obviously what i take from that is just you know kind of be quiet instead of talking a lot one of one of my friend's dads years ago because man this topic definitely relates to me because (laughs) i have said a lot of stuff and one of my friend's dads used to call me cnn (laughs) chris news network because (laughs) the second someone told me something back then man i'd have it in the newspapers before they finished their sentence (laughs) so i definitely think i've come a long way it is it's crazy like when you start praying about it and it's like really hard it's like wow why is this so difficult to stop this is like something super annoying almost <laughs> well it, it's a human condition and every what you just said i want to go to james chapter one it says so then my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to slow to wrath and the bible really realizes how human we are and it speaks to us in our in our humanity or our humanness god knows that that this is a struggle not just for you chris it's a struggle for all of us like we love to tell a good story you know, what's the, the state, the phrase now spilling tea, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we love, you know, that that's part of the human condition, but the, a person of character will, will realize that tendency and say, you know what, I'm going to react or respond in a way that that's, I want to be a person of character. I want to be a person that people can trust. Um, you know, if, if I go and share a secret to someone and they can't keep it, I, I can't trust that person. But I have some friends in my life. I mean, I could tell them a deep, dark secret, and I know they'll take it to their grave. They, I, they have my trust. And I, wanna, I want to, to be that type of person with others where they could trust me 
and not think, well, man, he's just going to go tell this to the whole world and preach about it on Sunday, and, and I know what chapels will be about next week, you know. Um, when that happens, you lose, you lose respect for people that, that can't keep a secret. So I want to be, and I think all of us here, we want to be trustworthy. So, Amen. Along the lines of, you know, having that trust with people, uh, where do you find the balance of, you know, when you're confiding into somebody about a situation, you know, and, and rather than that being gossiping, you know, so what's the, what's the difference? What's the line of confiding in someone or rather it's sounding as if you're gossiping about someone? So there's, there's two things. And first is the internal motivation. Why am I telling this person? Uh, I, you know, I know just by the nature of living life and, and, and the positions that I have in the district, church, college, just by being, you know, a person around here, I know a lot about people. I just know, and I know, I know a lot of things. Why would I need to share that with someone else? What's my internal motivation? Sometimes I'm really bothered by something, you know, and, and I need a sounding board. I need someone like, hey, I became aware of this situation. And I'm just not sure what to do with it. Or I'm not sure what to think about it. And, I, it. and so if there's some internal struggle or something where maybe it, it's a matter of, do I need to have, take action? Do I need to report this? And I'm not sure what to do. So if my internal motivation is I need a sounding board, I need some guidance, I think, I think your motives are pure. But if I just got to tell the story, I've just got to, I, I think that comes back to a character issue. And, and so I always go back to what is your internal motivation? Because it, it can be a gray area. Um, you know, what's the difference between, you know, gossiping and, you know, having a prayer request. Everyone, we need to pray for so-and-so. But I've seen some people with some prayer requests. It didn't really feel like a prayer request. They were getting, they're getting the info, info out there and everyone was enjoying it. Oh, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. So I, I think it's a character issue though. And I know that's not a clean answer because it's, but every person has to, has to be very self-reflective on why do I feel like I need to share this? A follow-up question to that. Would you, uh, so would you recommend like or advise, you know, people to go and speak towards their leaders about an issue like this or a peer? Oh, well, it depends on the issue, you know. Um, you know, and, and again, my perspective is a little bit different now. But like, you know, if, if it's an issue, you know, where, man, I need some guidance, like it, it's a big deal and, and this, this someone could, you know, get in trouble or this, you know, affect their ministry or, or this, it's a thing that I, I just don't think this is right, what's happening. I would probably take that up to leadership and just, I need some direction, you know, uh, you found out somebody did something unethical or immoral and you're aware of it and you know, you know, you feel like you, you know that this is true, you know, it's not just a suspicion. Um, yeah, I, I, I would take that up. But if it's, if it's not, doesn't rise to that level, if there's a trusted peer, you know, we, we, the word is confidant, that you know, like, hey, I, this stays between us, man, I just need to bounce this off someone and get someone else's perspective. I think that, that would be appropriate. So you kind of have to, there's a judgment call that you have to make on, on where I need to take this. Do you think you should bring names into the conversation or do you think they should leave them out? It, it all depends on, on the situation. Like if, if it is going to affect someone, like and I'll use the context of Bible college, right? Uh, we have a, a student handbook and we have some, some moral guidelines in our, in our policy. And if a student fails those, and a student, you know, maybe does some action that violates the moral code of, of the college. And, um, man, it could result in, in them, you know, being dismissed. I'm careful about names, especially with peers. I'm careful 
because I want to say, hey, I heard that this happened. What should I do with it? Like, but now if it's information where I know this is true, I know it happened. Um, at that point, I'm I'm less fearful about using names because I know without a doubt. But it, again, it depends on who I'm talking to. With the peer, probably not going to be using names. But with leadership, I probably will use names because I am making sure that I am I am conducting myself with integrity and character. Um, you know, I don't want to be complicit with someone's actions because I, I didn't fulfill my Christian responsibility. Well, so my favorite, not, well, it's horrible actually, <laughs> but my like most anticipated question that I've been wanting to like get an answer from, cause I feel like I've been thinking about this for months and months and months is if somebody say one of your friends, like, you know, a really good friend comes to you and like, they say something and it's just like, why would you tell me that? And you're just thinking about it. Say it could be about a preacher or a really good friend. And, you know, you see them get up on a platform and they're speaking and they're preaching and stuff. And it's like, how can I believe anything that that person says after what, you know, my good friend told me? How am I supposed to respect this person when they're doing this and this? And um, I, they would try to present facts. And I just like, no, there's no way. There's no way. And based on their lifestyle, the person that is, that they're talking about, it doesn't seem accurate. And so I would pray like, God, like, I don't want to have this towards that person because it's hard for me to like receive if they try to speak. How do I get over uh, like that view or that almost damaged perception that that person has warped of that person? And this, this is a very real issue because, you know, I think it happens often and it's a very, it's a, complex issue and and multifaceted in how we respond to it and, and i'm going to present a couple scenarios that that i i have seen i've experienced um, we all have moments where we maybe we're tired frustrated and in a moment you can act out of character you could say something that you wouldn't normally say do something you no- wouldn't normally do uh you know i have seen people you know act out just whatever, they hit a boiling point. And 98% of the time, they never act that way. But in that moment, they, they react in a way. And that's the moment that gets captured in the snapshot. Maybe someone that doesn't know them sees them in that moment and paints a picture. So one of the things I advise people is, is that there's, there's, you know, there's the old saying, there's two sides to every story. There's actually usually more than two. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about context, right? Um, and someone could, could say, hey, man, I, I heard that person say this. I can't believe, you know, I thought they were a Christian. Or I, had the, I saw that person do this. I saw that person lose their temper. And that maybe that person hasn't lost their temper for five years, and you got the snapshot in that moment when they crossed the line because something happened. So, number one, I, I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt at me. Like, it, when I hear something negative about someone, I feel like as a Christian, because in 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible says love believes all things. In other words, it, it wants to believe the good about people. And so I, I'm going to try to always have a positive view and, and understand that person's a human like I'm a human. I've done things and said things that thankfully there wasn't a camera on. Thankfully it wasn't captured on a hot mic. You know, thankfully it didn't go viral on YouTube. You know, um, we've all had those, those, those very, very human moments and so I, I want to give people that the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that, that's a simple way of saying it. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. However, um, what, one of the greatest signs of maturity of a Christian 
is when you could see someone else's flaws or know about someone else's flaws and yet still allow God to use them to speak into your life. And Bible college is a great example because someone's going to get them preach real time and you know stuff about them because you're all living in this close confines, right? And yet it's amazing how God will speak, still speak through that person. And you're like, okay. So, you know, that, that, that's another facet to it. Now, let's say someone tells me something, you know, about someone and it's, it's just heinous and, it, and it's awful. Um, but it doesn't match up the rest of, of their character and, and what you, you know about them. They're either it's not true, it's greatly exaggerated, or there, there's more going on here that, that I'm aware of. And I'm not God. And ultimately, I have to let God be the one because if there is sin in that person's life or if there's an issue, it's amazing how God will cause that in time to come out. And, and you know, part of the, one of the, it's a verse, it's in one of the, the, uh, the Pentateuch books. It says, you know, you're, be sure your sins will find you out. And sorry, I don't have the direct reference in front of me, but be sure your sins will find you out. And I found that with God, like if, if there is sin in someone's life or if there are issues, God oftentimes will not let that go hidden forever. So I'm not the judge. I just have to be a person of character and how I respond to this individual. Um, now, let me add one more thing to the equation. And, and I, I heard this from a, a great man of God and I put it in my toolbox. He said someone came to him with some gossip one day about another minister. And it happens. It happens in the ministry. Um, and his response was, I don't believe that. I don't believe that person would do that. That person would have to tell me himself before I believe that. And he, and he said how it shut the other person up immediately. And, and one of the, what the tool that I put in my toolbox is I don't want to be easy, a person that's easy to share gossip with. When someone comes to me with news about somebody else, um, th- th- this, is, this is pretty intense, but I've seen it happen. Well, let's go ask that person if it's true. <laughs> and, and you want to gain the reputation. Don't share gossip with Eli. He doesn't want to hear it. Don't share. Because it, it, if you become a magnet for that, oh, man. Like, people will find you, and you'll hear the worst about everyone. And I, for me, I've got my own issues I'm trying to make it to heaven. I don't need to hear about everybody else's junk. So I, one of the things I put in my toolbox is I don't want it to be easy for people to share gossip with me. And that that's all based on my response. You know, if you come to me, um, you know, with, with some, some horrible gossip, I don't want it to be, I don't want you to give off the perception I'm enjoying that. Um, I've had people tell me things and they thought I was going to enjoy it. And, I, and my response was, man, that, 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 that's just horrible. That, that's a tragedy. You know, and, and they thought we were going to have this confab together and, and feast on this person. And when I responded with compassion and mercy, it like shut the conversation. It killed the conversation, which is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to think Eli's going to be a party to just chewing up other people. Honestly, that the question I've never even thought of till just now is, so say there's a, a young pastor growing up or a young preacher or even yourself, how <laughs> say they used to struggle with that? Yeah, have you ever heard the saying when you, it's like putting alcohol in front of an alcoholic, mm-hmm. someone trying to recover? As a pastor, say say John grows up to be a pastor, and he had a problem with gossip, and you're a pastor now, and people come to you with everything. Yeah. How do you, how do you like hold back from not just 
hey, you won't believe what so and so did sure. to, to like your wife even, or then then it passes down to your kids stuff like that. How do you? What do you do? Because I mean, it must be crazy going home holding all of this. Well, no, but, the, but that that's the 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 amazing journey with Jesus. He really does change us. Amen. He really does change us. I mean, I, I I know I could know of a guy, young guy. I was his youth pastor. He struggled with lying. She struggled. Yes, it was one of those things. He just would just make up stuff, and we're like, "Come on, dude!" And and you, you check back in twenty years later, and he's changed. So we have to give people permission to change, and 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 God has changed me in ways where, like you know, it used to be, Eli, you've got such a big mouth. Where now, and this happens so often, people will walk up to my wife and I at church, and they've confided something in me in an office or at the altar somewhere. They've confided something, and then they'll see me and my wife who weeks later at church, and they'll walk up and just start talking, assuming that my wife knows about it, assuming I went and told her, and I'll have to stop and say, I just want you to know, my wife has no idea what you're talking about right now. And like, so like literally, like there's been a change, and so that's why I talk about character development. Like we really can change. Now, um, there are always those human tendencies, but we really can become people of, of high character where it doesn't even become a temptation anymore. You really have a different perspective on it. But that's, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, crucifying. That, that, that's a painful process of death. I've got to take things to the altar and I've got to kill that in my life. You know, I may not struggle with this sin, that sin, but if I struggle with gossip, I've got to crucify that because I could, one, hurt a lot of people, but two, it'll limit my ability as a minister because people won't trust me. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, if people won't trust you, you lose your ability to influence them. The foundation of all leadership is trust. And if people don't trust you, they won't follow you very far. And so how do I earn their trust? By being someone that's trustworthy when they confide in me. And I've told people, like, my wife won't even know, but no one's going to know about this. And because they're working through something very embarrassing or something that could be very damaging, but they want help. And I can't violate that. I, I, my job is as a minister is I provide that help and we go to God together for them to find their path forward. Um, uh, piggybacking off of that, there is a question that somebody asked that I thought was a really good uh, question on Instagram. They said, how does one's reputation get back to what it should be when someone has lied or stretched the truth and has caused the person's reputation to be in shambles? We say, God will fight your battles, but I don't feel as if every battle that's fought is all God. Okay. And, and th- wow, that, that's a, a great question. Whoever, you know, posted that you know, has gone through something. <laughs> and, um, yeah, what do you do, right? Uh, I, I hate to give, like, a, a cliche Bible answer, but I, I am, I am going to give a, a, a Bible answer or maybe a, a God-affirming answer. Maybe that's a better way to say it. How big is your God? How big is your God? Because if you belong to God, then you need to be able to put your reputation in his hands. And I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 2. And and this, this is something every, every, because I've wrestled with this, every minister, right? You care what people think about you. You just do. And, and as humans, you do. But how much more when you're put on a pedestal of ministry, a pedestal of leadership, you want people to think good things about you. You, you want to have a good reputation. The Bible talks about the power of, of a name, and a good name is to be chosen above riches, right? All of that is valid. But then, but look at Jesus here in Philippians 2. Let nothing be done through 
selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Then in verse 5, he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. I have had to go to the altar and say, God, I give you my reputation. Because so-and-so has said this or so-and-so believes this, and sometimes it's been people in authority over me that have had a wrong perception of me, thought I said something I didn't say, thought I did something I didn't do, thought I was trying to do something, and I was like, that was not even in my plans at all, but they thought I was trying to do this and, and maybe crossing some lines and, and, and a total mis, misperception of me. And you know what I want to do? I want to go make it right. I didn't say that. I, I want the whole world to know, and I, well, I didn't do that. I didn't think that, and, and, and I want to fix it all. But sometimes I, I can't. Like, I can't really change what people think. But I can do what, what the Bible is showing me in this passage. I can give my rep- reputation to God and say, God, I need you to fight this battle for me. I need you um, to give me favor and grace. And here's what, what I found, and, and, and I know this can be hard, and I don't mean it to be insensitive. But if you have to go around and convince others that you're right or convince others of your position or I didn't say this, I didn't do this, usually the motivation for that is pride because I care so much what people think about me. I have to correct every wrong view. Um, When you really embrace humility, you become aware that, you know what, people might think some wrong things about me, but it's okay because my reputation belongs to God. And at the end of the day, he's going to allow them to believe what he wants them to believe about me. And if I have to have character or integrity, if I have to be a Christian in the face of lies, well, man, Jesus did that. And if Jesus did it, he gave me a pattern. If people believe lies about Jesus and he handled it without sin, he handled it just the ultimate way to respond, Father, forgive them then I could follow that example. It's hard. It's going to be so hard. Um, so, you know, really, I, it, it, it's, there's not an easy answer to that. Uh, I will say this. What is your reputation? Your reputation is what, how people perceive you, and it's, it's over time, right? It's over time. So if I do good things, I'm going to eventually earn a good reputation because people are going to see my good actions over time. And one thing that I want to caution people is one bad moment does not always undo a, a well-earned reputation. So some people feel like the world is ending. The world's not ending. The world's not ending. It's going to be okay. The flip side of that is you can damage a reputation in a moment of vulnerability and weakness. You have to be aware of, of, of how this works. But I may not be able to convince every mind today, but if I just keep living the life and I keep being a person of character, I will rehabilitate my reputation. The frustrating thing, Chris, is that it takes time. You cannot rehabilitate a reputation overnight. You can't rehabilitate it on Instagram. You can't rehabilitate it um, by, you know, trying to correct everyone's view about yourself. You just got to live the life, and over time, your reputation will be healed. The frustrating thing is that it takes time. Do you think, so say it's just, it's a really bad rumor, like literally just out to, like, tear you down. Do you think there ever is a time where you should, I don't know, take some type of action or speak up or 
just well, just let it. Yeah, I mean, and, and of course, every scenario is different. And and I would say, well, two, is it out there, or is it something that that's somewhat contained? And I, and I'll give you a, an example. A minister, I don't even know. I don't know this minister. I have no idea. He lives in another state. Uh, I, mean, I hesitate to bring this up. Just, you know, m- made a comment that I was living, um, uh, that I was doing things in my life that would disqualify me from ministry. Let me say it that way. That I was doing things. I don't even know this guy. I've never met this person. At least to my knowledge, I never have. And he communicated it to another minister. And... Um, that, that minister communicated to another minister who called me. And, and that's the integrity. He said, hey, I just heard this about you. I want you to know. And, and, and when it was communicated to him, he basically said, I don't believe that. I know Brother Lopez. I, 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 I know his lifestyle. I don't believe that. And that minister called me. just want you to know. So at that point, it was contained. It wasn't this big thing that was out there. It wasn't posted everywhere. So I took it to my pastor. Um, because, you know, I, I just, I, I'm going to hold myself accountable. I want my spirit to be right here. I don't know what's going on. And my pastor went in there and fought that battle for me. So it, because it was contained, you know, my, my pastor, I mean, it, uh, it was awesome to see, you know, Brother Haney come to my defense in that moment and say, and, and he actually called the other minister in his office. We were in there together. I mean, it was like, it was like, and said, you know, I know this about Brother Lopez and I know, um, I, I know it's not true, his reputation in this church, the way he conducts himself, and basically put an end to it, like like this. And and so me and the minister, we worked it out, whatever. And he wasn't the originator. He he was, yeah, he was kind of a bridge. But because, you know, of, of, of his relationship with Christian Life Center, Brother Haney brought us in together and said, hey, let, let's work this out because, and in doing so, Brother Haney, you know, defended my, my, my reputation. So if it's something internalized, I would, I would involve leadership with it. Hey, this is being said about me, and I want you to know, and just put in your hands. Now, if it's something that's out there, we, and that's the problem. We live in a world now where things can go viral. Things go out there so quick, and this is a new challenge for ministry. Um, do we defend ourselves, or do we, you know, hide in a cave? I have seen both go wrong. I've seen people try to get up there and try to, you know, make a defense and make it worse, you know, but I've seen people also be silent and make it worse. Um, and so what, you know, I'm, this is, this is going to be kind of a, a non-answer to some, but it, it is my genuine answer how I would handle it, is I would take it to God in prayer and say, God, give me wisdom how I'm supposed to respond in this situation. Is this where you want me to say nothing and you're going to resolve this, or is this where you want me to, to share my side of it and give me the right venue to do that? And because and, I think both are valid, but we need God's wisdom in that situation. Um, something else that somebody wrote is, uh, how, how do you address someone gossiping, like, like calling them out, but nicely, you know, how are you to, what, what are ways that to go about that? Before you answer, because I have, I have like a, <laughs> I have a, like a personal, I guess, story. There's been times where like someone will say that and it's just, you're, you're in that situation. It's like. This is so awkward because you're trying to do better. It's like, you know what? Actually, can can you stop talking? Like, like how do you say that without like? Because it's just awkward to shut them down. Kind of. I don't. I don't know. To me, it feels awkward sometimes. It, it does. Yeah, without a doubt. And and so you know, one. What is my what is my relationship with this person? There's some people I can be absolutely blunt with. Like, you know, um, you know, and, and I and I you know I've told people, do you feel better now? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and you could, if, it, if it's a good friend, if it's someone like, you know, we've, we, we know each other and we can be super, super honest with each other, you can just say, you know, that, 
uh, I don't know if that was the most Christian thing to say, and and or you know or or that that's you know that's probably not, not that's not a good conversation topic. And if it's somebody that that I'm comfortable with, you can just throw it out there. Now, if it's someone I'm not comfortable with, one of the things I've learned is a grimace is better than a fake laugh. And because we don't want to make people come, well, ha, 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 you know, and I've learned the power of just a look. Mm. And I've had people tell me this, like, Brother Lopez, you convicted me with your look. Because I, you just, just a look and not smile. Yeah. Just look. And, and people, that can send a thousand words. So I'm not, I'm not putting in your face, like, hey, I'm judging you for this. But I'm just letting you know, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't appreciate what you just said about, so I didn't, I didn't need to hear that. And, and it's amazing how, you can communicate a lot non-verbally. You can communicate a lot by the response you have to just let people know. You know what? I'm I'm didn't really re- I don't want to receive. I'm not receiving what you're saying. Um, so that's something I've learned is is a, a grimace or a, a frown. You could maybe say it that way can sometimes be more is more effective than that fake laugh um, because the fake laugh they sometimes think they've got you. I'd, I'd rather communicate. You know, I'm not going to be that person that's easy for you to ju- dump other people's garbage on. I, that's, just, that's just not how I'm going to live. How do we respond to when people say, how is it gossip if it's truth? Okay, so, well, I, I, does it pass the test of Scripture, right? Um, and in Ephesians 4.29, it says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Okay, uh, in the NIV, it says, do not let any un." Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. It may be true, but if it's not going to help someone, it's not going to edify, I still don't need to be saying it. So if it doesn't pass the test of Scripture, even if it is true, what is the benefit of me saying this? What is the benefit of me sharing it? Because if I'm a Christian, and if I really, you know, if I really love you, I should use my words as a benefit, you know? Um, and I may n- know something negative about you, but if I really love you, why, why throw that out there? Like, and so th- it has to pass the test of Scripture. Does this edify? Does it build up? And if it doesn't, don't say it. Now, again, uh, if I know something about someone and, and I feel like it needs to be addressed, like, you know, someone's living... And we say in sin, right? And, and, and they're violating and they're in a position of authority or, you know, they have a leadership position. Um, I'm not going to ignore, act like I don't know what's going on. That's where, you know, we talk to leadership, bring that in. But if it's just stuff, you know, life stuff, and, and that person's grown in God, but obviously they maybe have some areas of immaturity in their life and they're still growing in the Lord, why do I need to throw that out there? So does, it needs to pass the test of Scripture. Does it edify? Does it build up? I think I think we've had uh, this question answered, but just like a flat out, if you struggle with gossip just nonstop, what do you think is the best way to just kind of st- like stop? Like, how do you stop, or at least take the steps to stop? Wow. Um, no, the first thing is I think you need to ask God, Lord, help me. Whenever I see an area of vulnerability in my life, the first thing is that I take it to God. God, help me, and and I. And I, it's a hard prayer to pray because God will do it. God, shine the light of your conviction into the dark places of my life. And he does. <laughs> it's, 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 he does. He will show you junk about yourself when you start praying that prayer. And, um, and you'll realize, like, you'll realize how much you enjoy it. You'll realize how much you revel in it. You'll realize how much you secretly crave this or want this. And that 
I call those diagnosis days. And, and I've had some days where I'm like, oops, well, God, this was a diagnosis day. And they're very humbling because, you know, I, I should be a better Christian than I am. I should be further down the road than I am. And then God shines his light and he shows me like junk in here that I still got, okay, I got to work on this. So number one, I, I do take it to God and shine the light of your conviction in the dark places of my heart. I, I pray those words. Um, and then number two is I'm going to go, what, what does the Bible say about this? Does it address it? And, you know, and that's allowing you know, God's conviction to come into my life. And I'm a big believer that we need to be daily in the word. And I'll tell you a personal example. Uh, This happened to me just just about three or four days ago. I I was doing my daily Bible reading and I was just reading through and and I just read through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. When I finish, I start over. And then I also have daily verses that I read every day, verses for Monday, verses for Tuesday. I have have a kind of a system I've set up. But I was doing my, my, my reading Genesis to Revelation. I'm in the book of Isaiah right now. And so I was reading the next few chapters and I just read something in this prophecy. And in the middle of one of those chapters, like God showed me, you slacked up in this area of your life. I was not expecting that this morning. And it took me like on like a three-day journey of repentance, of cleansing, of, of realizing I had let my guard down in an area of my life. If I had not been in the word, I would have continued on. But something when, when Isaiah was prophesying to Israel, one of those statements, it was like God used that to say, and you're like this right now too. And I, I didn't see it. I wasn't aware of it. So you, we need to stay in the word. The Bible talks to me. It's like a mirror, right? And we are able to see ourselves in it. And if I hadn't, when it was not, because I wasn't even aware of that until God just knocked on my heart in the middle of a passage on a, on a morning, drinking my coffee, trying to wake up, reading my Bible. And it was like for three days, the Lord, I went back to the altar to reaffirm some commitments and, and, and the lifestyle I was going to live and the man I was going to be. And I wasn't even aware that I'd slacked up in that area. So the word, keep the word speaking into your life. But then three, make yourself accountable. Like if you know you struggle with something and like with gossip, either a pastor, a ministry leader, or even a friend that you, that you know will be honest with you. Say, hey, if you see me starting to do this, Will you, will you just call me out? You don't have to do it in front of everyone. You can shoot me a text. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to embarrass me. Um, and, and I give people, I, I have people in my life, I have an accountability group. First, I have a pastor. I have a wife. Um, and I have an accountability group. And, and I'll talk about those three in order. So my pastor has permission. He, he, I mean, he's my pastor. When what he says, like, correctively, I, I take to the altar and I take to God. My wife is a covering for me, and I'm a covering for her. I'll never forget the day my wife looked at me and said, you need to pray through. I was ranting about somebody. Someone had irritated me. She said, my wife, she said, you need to pray through. The hammer, the hammer to the heart, you know. I thought she was going to join in with me. No, she's like, you need to pray through. So I I do have a wife, and and my wife's a Christian. My wife's a woman of, of prayer. My wife's a woman of the word. So I have someone in life to to. I can, you know, she's a sounding board, but also someone with a spiritual perspective. And then I have, there's three other ministers. We, we have a, a very tight-knit accountability group. And the three, there's three areas that we hold ourselves accountable, but one of them is our attitude. And these three, I'm the oldest in the group. These three have permission. We call each other out. Brother Lopez, that attitude, you know, we're Eli in the group, right? Eli, you know, I, I don't know if that, that's, that's, if your attitude is exactly right in this area. So I give people permission. 
because we all have blind spots. Mm-hmm. We all have areas. Everybody else sees it, but we don't, yeah. right? We don't. Yeah. But that, and that's where you need people, a, a wife, a spouse. You know, one day is a tremendous benefit, a pastor. But, but then even having people beyond that, for me, like my accountability group, where we can hold each other accountable to be the best versions of ourselves. Amen. Uh, a question that I, I had, I know that you mentioned this earlier on in the podcast. You uh, talked about, you know, it's, it's part, gossiping is part of, like, the human condition of who we are. But I wanted to ask you, is it something that, could be more, you know, is there sin that is involved in somebody's life that, you know, can, you know, produce the spirit of gossip, the root of what it is? Uh, so there's a, a proverb, and I just pulled this up a few moments ago. Um, it says, he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. You know, if someone is always having to talk about others, it does reveal a character flaw. And the Bible says, like, avoid these people. Why, why do I need to avoid them? Um, first and foremost, the, the main character flaw is they're not operating from a place of love. Okay? So if they're not operating from a place of love, because if I love people, I, I don't need to, to tell trash about them. I just don't need to. If I love them, my, my, the way I interact with them or the way I'm going to talk about them is going to be affirming and positive. I don't have to lie about them. I don't have to make up things that are not true, but I, I'm, I'm not going to be looking to tear people down. So if someone really revels in that, um, usually there are internal issues themselves, and they actually will tear other people down to make themselves feel better about themselves. So it reveals a lot of insecurity. Mm-hmm. A confident person doesn't need to tear other people down. Mm-hmm. They, in fact, confident people, they go around picking other people up. So when someone is constantly tearing other people down, it usually reveals some, some type of insecurity, some type of issue going on that they feel they need to do that, to one, to feel better about themselves or to get some type of enjoyment out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, not, that's, not, that's not Jesus. Mm-hmm. That, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's mm-hmm. not the, the character of God. That's not, that's not the character that comes through the Word of God. And so, yeah, it, it is actually evidence of... W- internal flaws or internal character issues that need to be resolved because think about people that you highly respect and think about the way they are with their words the way they are with they interact with others they're not talebearers they're not gossipers because they've allowed themselves to be developed inwardly as a man as a woman as a person who who wants to be like jesus and so they they've learned to deal with all of those insecurity issues and put those on the altar and to be the true man or to be the true woman that God wants them to be. So I don't know if that answers that question, but it is, it is revealing of internal issues. Um, why do you think people don't treat gossip like they treat other sins? Well, oh, goodness. Why, d- why don't we treat gluttony like we treat other, other <laughs> I sins? just about to ask kind of along that question. Uh, uh, you know, I, th- I think I, this is a little candy stick of mine. I think there's, there's multiple issues that we've kind of sidelined and we excuse. And, and, and there is a ranking of sins in the Bible. You know, the Bible says there's a sin unto death, a sin not unto death. And I don't understand all of that, right? I'm still trying to work that through with God and, and reading the Bible. But there is, there is a ranking of sins in Scripture. Um, and, you know, would gossip be on the same level as going out and, you know, physically murdering someone? Well, probably <laughs> not. But you can do character assassination with words. And, and I do think it is a sin, and I do think we need to address it, because the Bible addresses it. 
just do a word search of the word gossip in the Bible. It's there, you know, and, you know, and I'm going to go a little candy stick now, you know, um, I think we need to address these character issues. And, and I used the word gluttony a few moments ago. That's in scripture. We never speak about it, but it is, it is, it is a matter of the Bible addresses this, how we are to live and be examples. So I don't have a good answer why we don't address it. My response is we do need to address it. You know? It's, uh, I remember you brought up talking about uh, the power of life is in the tongue. I think that was the verse yeah. it was. Um, I remember I, I, I think it was in homiletics one or two. I don't know if either of you were in that class with me, but I preached a sermon called, um, are you a murderer? And I, that was the main verse. I was, it was talking about how the, the tongue is so powerful. It's like the, what is that thing on the back of the boat? Utter? The rudder. The rudder. Yeah. The, the utter. <laughs> the uh, utter's on a cow. Yeah, utter's, R- utter's on a, a boat. <laughs> but the, the rudder can like, that little tiny thing can steer an entire ship and the reason why i labeled it are you a murderer is because people who say these mean things or bad things you know might not always think to themselves what they're actually doing to that person but from personal experience uh in like middle school and stuff when people would say mean things or gossip or a bunch of stuff it would just eat me alive it would tear me down and i would disqualify myself from anything and, you know, still to this day, I think about things that they said back then and I deal with that. And it's like, if I wasn't, this is how I, I think about this. If I wasn't in truth and somebody else that was just in the world and someone's tearing them down like this, the potential for them to like be saved is, I feel like is so mm-hmm. far because you have torn them down so much and you've disqualified them. And it's thank God I'm in the truth and I have the Holy Spirit and I know who I am and I can tell that those are lies. But for the person who doesn't, it's like you can spiritually uh, murder them. Absolutely. What you say. Uh, And I and so I'm as you're talking, my attention is turned to James and in James chapter three, verse the whole the whole passage is about words and, and the way we use our words. But this this is what he says in verse nine. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with, and with it we curse human beings. I'm reading out the NIV right here. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the sound mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? It, as Christians, it shouldn't be that, that our words, you know, here we are at church on Sunday praising God, and on Monday I'm, I'm tearing up my brother, tearing up my sister. It should not be. James says, like, that, that's not appropriate. It's not right. Christians should be better than this. And so, you know, going back to the previous, you know, question, yes, it needs to be taught. It needs to be addressed. Uh, because earlier in the chapter, it talks about, it says, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Okay? So, and it says, you know, um, going back to, to the whole the whole fire thing, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So one small spark can start a forest fire. One word, one conversation can bring so much damage. As Christians, we need to be aware of that. We need to be careful with our words. Right. How do you, so words are very powerful. So in ministry, say you're going to be an inspiring minister or just someone in general that it you might not necessarily be on the platform but how does that hinder or stunt 
your ministry? Will that like completely like, because sometimes people think, oh, well, I'm not fornicating. So <laughs> it's not yeah. as bad as gossip. You know, God's still going to bless my ministry. Like I can, I can hold on to this sin. How bad does that actually stunt your growth in your ministry? Well, I, I definitely think it'll limit, you know, God, God will limit opportunities for you because God loves his church. God loves his bride. And if you're destructive to his bride, I, I believe God will shut doors for you and limit your access to influence his bride because, and, I, and I've seen God shut doors on people and just like, okay, God's still God. He's, he's in control. But then two, leadership is not just about the anointing of God. I need the anointing of man. And I'll, and I'll explain. You know, David was anointed king when he was, you know, 12 years old. He didn't become king till the people anointed him when he was 30. You, you, it's not just enough to have God's anointing. You need to have the favor of the people where they say, you know what, I want to follow this person. Right. And if people don't trust you, they won't follow you. Yeah. And if, they don't, if, if people know, and here's the thing, the moment someone comes to talk to me about somebody else, I know they're talking to me, you know, I know they're talking to me about me to them as well. It's a two-way street. So if someone's very free to come to me and, and, and tear down others to me, I know they have no problem tearing me down to others. I know that about these people. And so people will know that about you. If, if, and if they don't trust you, it will limit your ability to, to exercise leadership in the kingdom. And so it, it catches up to you because what people think about you ultimately will limit your ability to be a, a voice of influence in their lives. Uh, a question that I, I just wrote down is, uh, how do you let gossip not affect you? And uh, what are ways to build yourself up, you know, to where... You have these walls that are, you're protecting yourself, you know, and not letting all these voices, you know, like Chris mentioned, you know, being younger, hearing all these, these rumors or people talking about you. How do you build up, you know, the right walls, you know, where instead of building these walls, you know, where you're pushing people away? So are you, when you ask that question, are you asking when people have gossiped about you or just hearing gossip in general about others? When people have gossiped about you specifically. So you have to, you know, for me, I've drawn a very small circle. And the people in this circle, I care most about what they think about me, okay? In that circle is my wife and, and Avery, Alyssa, and Grant. And if they know I'm a man of character, they know I'm a man of my word, they know I'm a man of honesty and integrity, then everything else is going to work themselves out because they see the real me that nobody else sees, Everyone else sees a presentation of Eli Lopez, even today. You know, I'm here, my, I'm presenting myself, as, you know. But when I go home, I'm the real me. You know, that's where the, the mask, the facade, the presentation comes off. And, and I've made up my mind, there are four people in this world that are going to respect me because they're going to see the real me, the man that is striving to be a Christian, not just when everyone's watching, but when nobody's watching. And so... In life, you will draw a circle, and who, who is going to have power over my reputation? And there's only a few people I'm going to give that to. And for me, it's, my, it's, it's those four people. Obviously, the, I have the second circle, my pastor, my coworkers. You know, I think about the incredible people I work with, with here at the college. I want them to have a, a great you know, view of me and, and people I work with on you know, the church or the district. But that, that, that's a little broader circle. But I first start with that very tight circle. And I know if they respect me, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be okay. Um, and so there, you have to have an incredible self-assurance. Um, and I hope this doesn't, co- d- d- doesn't come across arrogant. Eli Lopez has issues. Eli Lopez is a work in progress. 
But I also know that I'm not a hypocrite. I also know that I really am trying to live for God. I know that I'm trying to be a man of character. So I can look myself in the mirror and I have that level of self-respect in spite of my flaws. And I'll be, I'm very transparent. I have flaws. I have issues. I have stuff I'm working through. But in spite of all that, I know I really am trying my best to live for God. And because I have that level of self-respect and because there's a small circle of people that I've earned their respect, I can walk through life with confidence. It doesn't matter what people have said about me. And I've had people who've come to me struggling, like, but yeah, Brother Lopez person said something. I'm like, who cares? But I, I was like, who cares? Do you, does it really matter what they think about you? And they don't understand how I've arrived at this place of like self-assurance. It's it, through, through you know, the trials of life and learning to get here it was not an easy process. But I've told people the liberty you get when you stop caring what people think about you, it is, it is amazing. Like you live life free. Yeah. You just do. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it doesn't mean I'm going to walk around and be foolish. No. But again, if, if those, that very small circle of small people, if I know they respect me, then I know I'm, I'm really living this life and everything else is going to work itself out. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's, that's how I resolve it. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. How do you go about not caring? For, <laughs> because <laughs> through, for, through much struggle and tribulation. Because you know? for me, it's a problem. It's like, they hate me? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, and, and for some, it, it'll matter more th- than others. Because um, we all want to be liked. Mm-hmm. And we all want to be accepted. It's, it's, that's why the playground is so mean, right? <laughs> and, you know, because you get, get excluded as a kid. And that, that scar stays with you for life, you know. Um, we all want to be accepted. We all want to be loved. We all want to be liked. And, and, and. But that's where you have to go back, and, and ultimately, I find my acceptance from Jesus. You really do have to find it there. I find my acceptance in Jesus, and I give my reputation to him, and that very small circle of people in my life, I have to be okay. Uh, it was a death process for me, and a very painful process. Mm-hmm. And it came about through people believing wrong things about me, and it, me having to become okay with that. And I don't know if they've ever changed their view of me, but I had to be, become okay with them believing things that were not true because ultimately either my life belonged to God or it didn't because I wanted to go fix it. I wanted to go you know, change the narrative, and God's like, no, nah, that's, that's not your place. Would you consider that in the, I don't know if the correct term is in the vein of uh, letting God have vengeance since the Lord's? It <laughs> is, it is. And it, it is also in the vein of, being stripped down to nothing, being broken before God and say, God, I really am nothing and you are everything. And if the whole world believes a lie about me, I want to respond in a way that honors you. Amen. And you really do lose yourself in the process. It, it's a death. It's not fun. It's, it's horrible. And there's tears wept on the altar. But you, when you die out to your reputation and, and then you do have to leave it in God's hands. Um, can I pray a prayer blessing on the person that has slandered me? I've had to get there. Yeah, and and didn't happen overnight, but through the mercy of God, I, I, and again, like that minister that I referenced earlier that made this accusation about me, um, and then the minister that it was shared with, I have spent hours praying for both of them. You know, so... <laughs> Praying God bless their ministry. God give them great revival. God use them. 
I, I couldn't lose that battle. Have you ever prayed like, Lord, <laughs> silence their mouths? Or is it just like <laughs> legit? Like, well, I'm being serious. Like, because there's sometimes yeah. it's like, Lord, like, <laughs> can you do something to them? You know, give them sickness or something. Yeah, yeah like strike <laughs> them down or like. So w- I was I, the way I know how to pray to keep my heart pure is God, I, I put them in your hands. Amen. God, I put them in your hands. Um, we should not be afraid to be confrontational when it's appropriate. Like if someone is, is you know, and, and like that situation, my pastor immediately got involved and addressed it. And, and But let's say I didn't have that recourse. Um, there would be nothing wrong with me calling that, that minister up and said, hey, I heard this was said about me. Um, I just want to know, like, you know, why would you say that? Like, did you have, you know, did I do something that would cause you to believe this about me? There's nothing wrong, and it's amazing how people backpedal. You're probably going to have to have a good time of prayer before you make that phone call because yeah. you can make it worse. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with doing that. You know, it, you know there's nothing wrong with, with, with addressing those situations. Um, but it, at the same time, take it to prayer first. That There's a difference between a reaction and a response. Yeah. Reaction, I, my temper, my emotions, I'm probably going to say things I regret. Response is I've allowed God to dictate how I'm going to handle this. And now I'm going to have a, a, a godly response calling this brother up and said, like, if I, if I ever offended you, and, he, and what I have done, what I've had to, I usually start out by taking the humble road, and, and it sounds counterintuitive, but I start out with usually with an apology. If I've done anything to, to uh, offend you, or if I've done anything for you to, to, you know, question my character, I want to apologize to you. But I heard this was said, and your name was attached to it. You know, I just, I just wanted to know, like, like you know, why, why you would say this, or what, what, and man, you people backpedal in the most amazing ways. And, and so there's nothing wrong with that, but make sure your spirit is right yeah. in addressing that. And you may never convince them. I've had people, like to this day, um, they, they believe something about me that that's not true. In my opinion, it's not true. I, okay. These questions just keep coming yeah. out as we go on. Uh, it's life, right? <laughs> and, and especially ministry, because the more influence God gives you, the more opinions are going to be formed about you. And, and and this is what you signed up for. Right. I mean, how many opinions are there about Jesus? That's true, that's true. So, you know, and so you just, you just it, this is part of the game of ministry. When I say game, I don't mean that like in a, in a trite way or a lighthearted way. But this, this, is, this is the deal. You sign up for ministry. People are going to form opinions about you. And probably a lot of them are not, are not going to be accurate. But you, you, can't, you can't control that. You can control the person you are, and in time, that's what your reputation in time, what you are over time, that will always win out. And just when I think I'm done, I have another question. <laughs> um, so in the past, if someone has spoken gossip over you and just repeated, repeated, and it's just like you start to almost believe it because it's like, okay, like why are multiple people saying it? And it's not true. It's literally a lie from the enemy. What, like, what do you do when you start to believe that? Because there's times where people have said things and it's been, like, multiple different people. It's like, like, why are you saying that? So, again, this is where I, you know, having, like, for me, like, you know, people in my life, my wife, you know, my accountability group, accountability group or my pastor, I, I would take that, like, man, I'm, this person said this about me, and it's affecting the way I think now. And I, I would be transparent and confide, and I would let their words counter. Yes. 
those thoughts. You know, I, I'm going to get, and then, and then of course my relationship with God, like I'm going to take it to God, Lord, I'm starting to struggle with this thought. I need your thoughts to become my thoughts and help me to see with your perspective. So both of those things, because you, you need to counter the lies. And I want to, you know, bring up this point about toxic people because there are just toxic yeah. people in the world and there's toxic people in the church. Um, and, and, and one of the things we have to be careful, and I think you maybe all of you had me for spiritual formation. I, I draw a, a, a pretty firm line between forgiveness and trust. I'll forgive you doesn't mean I have to trust you. And just because I forgive the toxic person doesn't mean I have to automatically trust the toxic person. Okay, trust is something that you have to earn with me. And I'll forgive you, but chances are I don't want to be around you. Because every time I'm around you, you hurt, you bring pain, you bring confusion. And I just don't, I've got enough stuff in my life. I don't need that as well. And so my advice is if, you, if it's at all possible, now sometimes it's members of the family, sometimes it's impossible. Maybe it's a roommate in Bible college. Sometimes you cannot physically get away from this person. But my advice is if you can identify a toxic person in your life, cut off their access so they can't speak to your mind, so they can't get in your heart, so they can't sow their seeds of confusion in your heart. You don't need that stuff. you got enough issues on your own without toxic people bringing you down further. Do I forgive them? Absolutely forgive them. May you be blessed in life. Just go, go live your life over there. Me and Jesus are going to do our thing over here. Do you think, so in my life, <laughs> I've had somebody that was toxic like that, and I was like, okay, well, I've given you like 10 chances. I think it's, you know, it's time to be done because you're just, you know, making a mess for me. Mm-hmm. And I've had some of my other friends say like, oh, well, what would Jesus do? They would forgive that person over and over. It's like, okay, well, where do I draw the line? Because I can't keep associating myself with yeah. that person. Like if, okay, say I have a birthday party. I invite the whole class, <laughs> except that person. Is that, like, is that messed up? <laughs> Probably <laughs> in, 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 that, in that context, you know. Okay. Sometimes you have to be the bigger person, you know. And, and But, you know, at the same time, if I'm going to – you know, have a dinner with some of my closest friends, I'm not going to feel obligated to bring this person that's going to ruin the evening for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, so you just kind of consider the context. But I, I use this analogy a lot. And again, going back to spiritual formation, if I go down to the altar, me and Chris, we walk down to the altar together and we we're standing next to each other, we're worshiping, praising God. And all of a sudden, Chris just hauls off and just just clocks me, you know, right cross punches me. I'm like, what in the world? We're in the altar. What are you doing? And I look at Chris and Chris is like, oh, for the lowest, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what just came over me. I'm sorry. I'm like, okay, man, that's really weird. I forgive you, right? So the next Sunday, we go down to the altar where worship God, and he does it again. I'm like, dude, okay, not cool. For the lowest, I'm sorry. I forgive you. You know, and I'll say, okay, I forgive you. I, you know, I'm just, just weird. Hey, the third Sunday, I'm going to go down to the altar, but I'm not going to go anywhere near Chris. He's going to be on that side of the altar. I'm going to be on this side of the altar. Have I forgiven him? Absolutely, I've forgiven him. But he's taught me not to trust him because he's taught me every time I'm around him, he's going to hurt me. And so, I, you know, I always, always counter to people like forgiveness is not the same thing as trust. And I can forgive you. Absolutely. Does not mean I have to trust you. You have to earn my trust. Right. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with making a healthy decision to preserve my mind and heart to disassociate from a toxic person. Now, I don't need to go put them on blast. I don't need to, you know put it on, hey, I'm not hanging out with this person anymore. It's all over Instagram because they're toxic in my life. It's just a natural separation. 
I just don't need this in my life, especially if, if someone is, is a gossiper. Because this is what I know. If they're talking to me about others, yeah. then they're talking about me to others. And I just don't need that in my life. I just don't. Questions keep coming. Yeah. So there, tell me if any of you can relate to this. There, We used to have this friend years ago when we were younger, like teenagers and stuff. And the person was like, I think we found out a pathological liar because they were, well, I mean, really, they and were, some people are, yeah. I've, I've known people that way. They like, literally, they, it's almost, they don't know how to tell the truth. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. It was crazy. It. Yeah. yeah. They, and that's the weird thing. It's like they're, they construct this world and I don't understand it, but it's literally, it's reality to them. Mm-hmm. So like, they don't think they're, it's, it's, you couldn't call them out on it because they just, it's weird. So anyways, I cut you off. I apologize. No, it's fine. So that person a lot of us started to realize, wow, you are <laughs> splitting the church. Yeah, <laughs> Discord. Yeah, yeah. Discord. And, and uh, is it proper to say Jezebel? But, <laughs> but like, they would, s- you know, come come to me and say one thing. Oh, they said this about you. But then they go to that same person and go, oh, you should hear what he said yeah. about you and start that. Well, the whole, like, youth group had caught on. And <laughs> it got to a point where, like, you know, we all kind of disassociated. But then you know have you the new person come in to church, a newcomer. They just moved to Florida or whatever. And we see them become friends. And literally a lot of us all said, Is anybody gonna tell her? Is there an appropriate time <laughs> to I'm being serious to to warn somebody when they know that this person is repetitively doing this? I, I think so. I think because I value that that soul. Right. You know, and so I, I did and now it, the way you do it now. Maybe, maybe the youth leader or someone, you know, with the voice of authority that, that's more trustworthy, that, this, you know, this new person w- was going to, you know, auto, auto, automatically be inclined to trust. Um, but maybe, you know, if, that, if, if it falls to you, maybe you're not the youth leader, but you feel like, you know, you're the one that needs to say something. Obviously, the way you approach is, hey, you know, I know you, so, so you, you and so-and-so are friends. Just want to give you a heads up, you know, a great person, you know, obviously they're part of our church. But they've had a pattern of, of doing this, and we just don't want you to get hurt. Just So be aware. We're not telling you not to hang out with them, but just be aware that you might hear some things, and you're going to be like, huh, we've all been there. We're, we know where, where you're at, and so just, just understand. And you say it in a way where you're not just bashing, but I think if I love this new person, if I want the best for them, I shouldn't be afraid to address it if I know that's a genuine issue. Um, yeah, you know. Uh, you know, especially if it's a new convert. New converts, you know, uh, the Bible talks about, you know, about offending one of these little ones. It's better for millstone. Like Jesus takes a harsh view on doing something that would cause someone to lose their faith, especially someone that's so new in the faith. So I want to I protect, I want to guard that person if I can, but I need to do it in a way that that's appropriate. That's why I think it's best if a leader does it because, you know, they're, they're approaching it in that care, you know, in the, in the pastoral care sense, not in, hey, we all hate this person. We're all ganging up. We don't want you to be their friend, you know. Do you think that kind of falls on you if you don't say anything and you see it happening? Like, oh, it's going down. Because that, well, I mean, because a, a lot of us said that. I remember that person later in life told us, why did no one warn me? <laughs> and I think, well, that's, I think that, yeah, you know, th- and that's the answer. Like, yeah, you're looking back, you know, man, we wish we would have said something, right, you know. Um, and so, yeah, you know, if, if you can do it, if you feel like you can do it in a way that's going to be respectful, if not, that, that's when, you know, I'd bring in like a, a, a leader if at all possible. But if not, if it falls to you, that takes courage. It takes courage to have some of those hard conversations, you know. But again, I, I would do it in a way that, that was not vengeful. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
do you think it's better to wait until they do something to that person, like a little thing, than to just say like, oh, like, like they're just a bad person, like <laughs> right, right, right out of the gate, yeah, yeah no, like get away from no, her. You know, you know, c- c- yeah, obviously the context of each situation matters. You know, and, but if this person has a trail of destruction. I, I think the sooner you give someone a heads up, the better. Like yeah. you know, and 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 again, it's the way that you approach. I think is going to determine whether you're received or not. You know. So this is my final question. I don't know if you guys have any questions, but would you place gossip and altering someone's uh, view of another person in the same category as witchcraft? Well, I'd put it in the same category as murder. Wow. Okay. Okay, and, and because, you know, Jesus said he who hates his brother without a cause mm. is guilty of murder. Okay. And, you know, obviously <laughs> not the murder is going to, you know, get you arrested and sent to prison, but the spiritual murder of a person's character, um, I think God takes a harsh view of that. And that's where I, I have to be convicted by the word. Like, it's so easy to say something that is destructive, but what is God's view of this? I have to be very careful. Yeah. So, you know, those aren't my words. That's Jesus himself, you know. And, and I, so I need to be very careful with what I say about others. Um, I want my words to edify. I want my words to build up. And, you know, one of the things I've learned, I'm trying to think which minister I learned. Maybe it might have been Brother Tony Bailey taught me this. Like he won't even call another minister by their last name only. Like, you know, Abrego, Ellis, um, go through the list. Ministers here, Meeks, my mind went blank for a second there. (laughs) He always says brother, brother, brother. He said, because I always am going to make sure whenever I speak about somebody else, it always is going to be respectful. And I learned that little lesson in life. Like, don't, don't, don't take my brothers and sisters for granted. They have tremendous value to Jesus. They need to have tremendous value to me. And so um, I, I think the assassination of character is a big deal. And I think, I think you're going to answer to God for it. Well, you've answered all my questions. I don't know if anybody has any more final thoughts. Hmm? Thank you so much for everything yeah, thank that you, you shared with us. Well, I, I love this conversation, and, and I look forward, you know, God willing, one day we'll be back and we'll have a conversation about another topic. But I, I, I want to thank all three of you for being willing to address issues that don't normally get addressed. You're, you're out the boat, right? You're just getting out there. You're, this, is, this is very, um, uh, one, it's, it's spiritually mature, but two, it's courageous. It's courageous to, to go out there and let, let's talk about things that no one else is talking about. So I, I give you, you know, props or credit, whatever the right term would be. Uh, I honor you all for, for having these difficult conversations because it's easier to not talk about them. Yeah. And we all have experiences in this area. We've all been hurt by words. Man, w- how beautiful it would be if we could have a church of love and a church that edifies and if we could put the sin of gossip out of the church. And, and let's build one another up. Let's love one another. And let's do a great work for God together. Yes, so thank you all for addressing the topic. Thank you. Thank you. This has been episode 16 of Out of the Boat. Thank you. Cool.